Hello and welcome. This is Pastor Terry, and I'd like to welcome you to my Bible study podcast. This daily podcast is a place where we take the teachings of Scripture seriously, but ourselves, not so much. Join us as we dive into the sacred word for the Bible, and each time we read, we pray, we change the world. Welcome to Pastor Terry's Bible Study Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast. It is uh, March the 8th, Wednesday, March the 8th, and uh, so glad that you are on today. We are uh, in Luke chapter 12, as this week we spend most of the week in the Gospel of Luke. Um, so we'll do 12 today, um, 13 tomorrow, and then uh, sometime on your own over the weekend, um, you got John 10. So, yeah. So Luke chapter 12. I should probably jump in because like yesterday I went long. Uh and so we'll take the make the most of our time together as we dive into the word of God. Good morning Molly, good morning Ken, good morning Deborah. So glad you guys uh, are on today, all you guys on the podcast wherever you are. Whether you're on your bike, whether you're jogging at the office on your commute, at your kitchen table, wherever, welcome. We're all just kind of, you know, pulling up the Bible. Whether you know you got a got the old school, legit paper kind, or you got the Bible app, whatever. Hope you got your Bible with you. Open to chapter twelve in the Gospel of Luke, and uh, we'll see what the Lord has to say to us today. All right. Yeah. You know what we do? We read, we pray, we change the world. So Luke chapter 12, let's see, let's see what we got here. Uh, meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands, hmm, it's a big crowd. So there were crowds of many thousands had gathered so they, so that they were trampling on one another. That's something right there. People going crazy around Jesus. They're just a big horde of people. They're trampling on each other. It's like a concert, man. Thousands, many thousands of people there to see Jesus, and they're like trampling on each other. It's like a it's like security issue. Jesus began to speak first to his disciples, saying, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Hmm. So here he's likening hypocrisy to a yeast that permeates, right? Uh, I'm not exactly a baker. Well, no, I'm not, not, not exactly. I'm not a baker. <laughs> let's, I mean, let's just keep it real. <laughs> not like I do a little baking. I'm just not a baker. No, no, I'm just stop lying. I'm, I, don't, I, I, I don't know anything about baking. Let's just put it there. Let's set the bar real low. I know nothing about baking. Zero. Nothing. Nada. So anyway, but I do know about yeast. Yeast kind of permeates dough, causing it to, uh, you know, rise. I think. Anyway, it does permeate. That's the point. So he's saying hypocrisy permeates. The yeast of the Pharisees is a, is, a, is hypocrisy. It permeates. 
you aren't careful, hypocrisy can permeate your spiritual life. Hmm. So you got to be on guard. Like, am I being a hypocrite? Am I saying one thing and doing another thing? Am I saying one thing and expecting other people to behave one way, but I don't do the same thing? Am I making commitments and not keeping them? Um, how's my say and do quotient? <laughs> you know, how's my say and do quotient? Am I doing what I say? Am I saying more than I'm actually doing? Am I, you know, you want to make sure that say do quotient is is uh is as close to equal as possible to be a flat out one, right? Five over five, ten over ten. What's that? What's your say do quotient? Well, the 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 Pharisees said a whole bunch of stuff, but they weren't doing a whole lot. So they they had a really low say do quotient, and so there was hypocrisy. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. <laughs> it's like carrying your uh, weapon through a TSA. It's going to get disclosed, man. Uh, you know, it's concealed carry permit. Yeah. You, you can't conceal. I mean, it's like walking through a like walking through one of those uh, detectors. It's going to get found. Everything that's concealed will be disclosed. What you have said in the dark will be re, or will be heard in the daylight and what you have whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. So, God sees it all. God will disclose it all, right? I tell you my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, the, has the authority to throw you into hell. Whoa. Jesus just dropped double H-E double hockey sticks right there. Boom. H-E double hockey sticks right there. Don't fear the one who can kill only your body. Fear the one who can, after killing your body, can throw... Um, has the authority to throw you into H-E double hockey sticks, into hell, into Hades. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Mm. Respect the Lord, right? Is he, that's who he's talking about, of course, the Lord. Who has that? God. Don't fear, the, don't fear a human being who has just uh, human authority and may even have enough human authority to take your life. Don't, you don't need to fear them. Fear the one who has ultimate authority not only over this life, but of the life to come and where your soul will spend eternity. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. They're not, see, she, she, he's illustrating that they're, they're relative low value. They don't cost very much. They're, and sparrows are so relatively low value, but... God knows every one of them. How much more does he know about you? Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Insert bald joke here. Uh, tooth. 
What's my number? I don't know, two. I don't know. It's low. I mean, I'm hoping in heaven that we, like, are in order uh, least to greatest numbers of hairs. I'm, that puts me in the front of the line, you know? I'm hoping that, you know, it goes that way. Okay, everybody, saints of God, I need you to line up single file, fewest hairs to greatest. Terry, you start the line. <laughs> uh, anyway, but he knows every hair on our heads, right? Yeah, so he says. It's just a way of saying, metaphorically, of course he does, sure, I'm sure God knows every hair on our head. The point isn't about hair, of course. The point is about his intimate knowledge of everything about us. He knows everything about us. God isn't... <laughs> God, God isn't interested in... I mean, it, the hairs of the head are immaterial, really. You're right? It's about intimate knowledge. <laughs> Good. Good. See that we got bald people. Bald people. Bald people that represent. Man, stand up. So, um, don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Wow. God loves you. God loves you. You are valuable to Him. He knows every sparrow, and He knows you, and you are of much more value than them. I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others. The Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angels of God. Hmm. That's sort of a somber warning about like not denying Jesus. Right? <laughs> like not denying the Son of God, not denying the Son of Man. Not denying that who Jesus is and what he's done for you. Um you got to remember in that context too. That, I mean, there was there was a pretty hefty price to pay for claiming the name of Christ. Like this is not just like I won't get invited to the fun party if I tell them I'm a Christian. <laughs> it's no this this is this is much worse than that. Like uh, if you if you claim uh, another Lord besides Caesar, besides the king, besides the emperor, then you'll get killed. And yet Jesus is here raising, and he continues to he, he continues to uphold the standard. Like, don't deny me. If you deny me before uh, the world, I will deny you. What does that mean? Because that means you, you're not really mine. And anyone, and I'm sorry, and everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Hmm. We've talked about this at length at different times, but what is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? It's to deny the work of the Holy Spirit, deny the work of God. So if you blaspheme, you ignore the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. Convict you. It kind of goes back to the verse where God says, um, Without faith, it is impossible to please God, Hebrews chapter 11. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he is, that he exists, and he diligently and he rewards those who diligently seek him. You can't come to God if you don't believe he exists. You can't uh, 
participate or cooperate with the work of the Holy Spirit if you if you deny the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit, if you deny the convicting power of the Holy Spirit, if you connect, if you if you deny the what the Holy Spirit is telling you, if you deny the saving work of the Holy, if you deny the Holy Spirit, if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you can't be forgiven. You can't be forgiven the one who offers forgiven forgiveness if you if you ignore he if you deny he exists. If someone is standing there offering you a gift, but you refuse to, to uh, acknowledge that they're even there, you're never going to receive the gift. <laughs> Just imagine someone standing there with a gift. Here's the gift. Here's your gift of forgiveness. But you're like, no, you don't really exist. You're just my in my imagination. You don't really exist. Well, you're never going to receive that gift because you don't, you, you, you decide, you choose, um, you've determined that they don't exist. So you've blasphemed in a sense, the Holy Spirit, when you deny the existence and the work of the Holy Spirit. When you are brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit, there you go, the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Hmm. And he's talking to people who will face you know, some significant persecution, even eventually some of whom will give their very lives for the message of the gospel, and he's saying the Spirit of God will give you the words to say at the right time. Don't worry now what you're going to say. Don't worry about that. At that moment, the Spirit will give you exactly what you need to say. You know, and that's good for you today, too today. Maybe that you're going into a situation and you've thought about what you need to say. You've thought about maybe what you need to tell someone, maybe a message you need to communicate. And this isn't saying like don't prepare or don't think about what you or don't ever think about what you're going to say. Just like wing it. <laughs> There's a lot of bad preaching over the years that has taken place by some bad theology. Well, you know what? I don't. You know, I tell you what. I don't. Uh, I don't study. Um, you know, because I believe that when I get up there behind that pulpit, but behind that holy desk, the Holy Spirit is just going to going to tell me what to say. Well, some of us have sat through those messages, and we're not so sure. We we mm, we aren't convinced of that. <laughs> We're not. We yeah. Well, mm, I don't think that, I, there's been a whole lot of bad preaching over some bad theology. That you know what? I don't need to study. I don't need to prepare. Um, AKA, I can be lazy and I can just uh, you know wander up there, and the spirit will get tell me what I'm supposed to say. Well, he's all telling us you need to sit down. <laughs> That's right. Holy Spirit telling us. You were done about five, about uh, about fifty minutes ago. That's what he's telling us. So anyway, but my point is, it doesn't. Uh, this passage isn't saying don't ever like prepare a speech or don't ever prepare what you're going to say or don't ever you know give thought or study to something you're going to present. But it's also giving you a a, a word of peace. God will help you. God's with you. He's going to be with you. He'll give you the words to say in those critical moments. He'll help you. Verse 13, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. <laughs> oh, man, people in the crowd, they all want their own thing, don't they? You know, like Jesus, Jesus is like, what? huh? Yeah. Just out of the blue. Can't you just see this out of the blue? Someone, hey, hey, Jesus, you tell my brother to split his inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, man, I don't know how Jesus said it, man, 
do? Who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator or an arbiter between you? Like, what are you at? Crazy. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Well, he didn't. He didn't get the answer he wanted. Did he? He wanted Jesus to make his brother give him money, and Jesus is like, "Okay, first of all, that I'm not here to do that right now. No, no. And uh, man, you need to gain perspective on what's important. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. I'm here offering you eternal life. I'm offer. I'm sitting here offering you reconciliation with God." Not only to save your life now, but for eternity. And you you worried about some kind of deal with your brother. Please. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I will say to myself, self, <laughs> you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is demanded of you, from you. Then, then who will get what you prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. And that's strong right there. I mean, this is all part of the same conversation, right? If you start at chapter 12 when Jesus said, don't fear human beings, don't fear the things of this life. Fear the, fear the one who, has, who can not only, not only is over your physical body, but over your eternal life. Not only your body, but your soul. And here, Jesus is just kind of, he's, he's drawing a distinction and, and, an, and an emphasis between the, the temporal and the eternal. Like the guy here, he's worried about, you know, getting a, an inheritance for this life. And Jesus is like, you're missing my whole point. I'm trying to draw a, a, a point here showing you that there's something way more important than just temporal things. And you and you hear you're asking me to, to, to uh, you know, leverage your, uh, leverage here my influence against your brother to, so that he can give you more money for this life. And when in the end, that's not what even matters. And then he gives, tells the parable, there's a rich man, gets a big harvest, and so what does he do? He's like, I have everything I want, uh, and so instead of being generous or, or kind or giving things away or helping others, he just builds a bigger barn. He's like, well, man, <laughs> let's make this personal. <laughs> man, I got, I'm making more money. What should I do? Maybe I should just build a bigger house. I can afford a bigger mortgage now, so I mean, surely I should build a bigger house, bigger, build a bigger barn, get a bigger car, get another car, get another car, get another house with more garages, get a, get get more land. You know, not everything God blesses you with is for your consumption. That's what the Lord often has to teach me. Just because I give it to you doesn't mean it's for your consumption. Maybe it's for your, uh, it's for you to steward and release to other people and other places. Hmm. So the man built the bigger barn, and he said, "You." and then God said, you fool. You fool. 
your very life is going to be required of you tonight. And so what's going to happen with everything you stored up? It ain't it going to stay right here with you. Someone else is going to take it. Someone else is going to get it. How much do you get to take with you when you leave? Everybody takes the same amount with them when they die. You know how much? Zero. <laughs> Everybody takes the same amount when they leave this earth. We all take nothing with us. Zero. How much of it do you leave behind? All of it. <laughs> all of it. And so Jesus is just drawing a very clear uh, line in the sand, trying to paint a true picture of reality. Verse 22, then Jesus said to the disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear, for life is more. Come on, man. Life is more than food and the body more than clothes. There's more going on than just these superficial material things. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, come on, how many any worriers out there? Anybody, anybody got, that, got, that worry, got that worry gene? <laughs> how many of y'all been blessed with that worry gene? Mm-hmm. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? You ever, you ever realize how unproductive and unhelpful worrying is? It doesn't do anything. Worrying doesn't accomplish anything. You know, worrying is, uh, is worry is basically just, uh, you know, worry and prayer are like very close to one another. Worrying is fixating on something. Um, in a negative, in a negative, uh, you know, with a negative bent. Uh, but praying or meditating is actually a good thing. So you can fixate on, but bringing it to God, not holding on to it, but giving this thing to God, uh, meditating on it, giving it to God. God, here, this is yours. I don't need to carry it. Worry and meditation are very similar. Meditation is just thinking about, is like, thinking on something, um, but releasing it to God. Worry is thinking on something and holding on to it um, with the worst possible outcome. Since you cannot do this very thing, why do you worry about the rest? Worry can't bring it, Worry does not help anything. Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. <laughs> Just look at the uh, look at the uh, look at the wildflowers and how beautiful they are. And Solomon and all of his you know rebuilt the temple, and it's, and it's uh, still not as beautiful as what God creates just with in the fields of, in, in the fields. And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. Wait, wait. Consider how the wildflowers they do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? You have little faith. He's going to put some clothes on you. He, gonna, he ain't going to let you walk around naked. He's going to put some clothes on you. And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after these things. And your father knows what you need. Here you go. 
but seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Put God first. Seek the kingdom of God. He'll give you all the other stuff. He'll take care of your needs. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. I'm like, is that a coach? Is that what is that? What kind of purses? No, no, it's metaphor. Even 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 you know, even those purses wear out. You know, provide purses for yourself that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. That's a fact. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Where you put your money and your treasure, that's where your heart's going to go. Mm-hmm. Be, be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning. Burning, burning. There's a kid song about that. Something about burning, burning, burning. Like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. So you got to be ready. Be ready when he comes back. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or toward daybreak. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. All that is about being ready when Jesus comes. You don't know when he's going to come back. Be ready. When the Master comes back, Be you'll be, you want to be at your post. You want to be doing what you're supposed to be doing. Peter asked, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? And Jesus is like, what does that have to do with anything, Peter? <laughs> but anyway, Peter wanted to know. The Lord answered, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. But suppose the servant says to himself, my master's taking a long time in coming, and then he begins to beat the other servants, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour when he is not aware of. And he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. The servant who knows the master's will does not get ready or does not do what the master wants will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. So they're not, they're not as guilty. It's like those that know better and are ignoring Jesus, there's a significant consequence. For those who don't know any better, the consequences are less. For, who, for ev from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. God's been God's given you a lot of opportunity and blessing and 
responsibility and gifts and talents, then more is, respect, more is expected. I've come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. Man, Jesus brought some fire. But I have a baptism to undergo, which he's talking about his death and resurrection, and what constraint I am under until it is accomplished, until it's completed. He's like, I got work to do, and I'm focused on that work. First, whatever that is, 51. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No. I tell you, but division. Mm. Now, this is confusing, right? Because you're like, wait, Jesus brought, did bring peace. Jesus, this is the Prince of Peace. What do you mean he didn't bring it? Jesus here is talking about, um, if do, do you think, do you think I um, am just, do you think my my words are not going to uh, be a words of judgment? Did you not, did you not think I was bringing judgment? I am bringing judgment. And a person's uh, response to Jesus uh, will determine where they spend their eternal destiny. Don't think I just came to say everybody okay. I didn't do that. Some people think Jesus came to say everybody okay. Everybody do good. Everybody doing good. Just keep doing what you're doing. And I'm here just to endorse everything you've been doing. That ain't why Jesus came. Don't think Jesus came to Jesus didn't come to say everything is peace and prosperity and beautiful and you all good. No. That ain't why he came. Jesus came to do a work, a work of salvation because you ain't good and you need to be saved. And so do I. And so don't think he came to bring peace. He came to bring a sword. He came to bring power. He came to bring deliverance. He came to not to not to not to just pronounce peace on earth. He came to bring peace. And how do you bring peace? You don't bring peace until you crush something. Come on. There's peace what that follows what? A war. So don't think Jesus just came and say, hey, it's all peaceful. No, Jesus came to do the work of God and to destroy the works of the devil and to, to uh, do, destroy the works of sin. And establish peace by destroying wickedness. And and some people are gonna like it, some people ain't. That's what he's saying. He's saying some people ain't gonna like what I gotta say. Man, I'm about to run out of time again. I'm gonna have to stop this. Mm. Y'all just hold on. Y'all just hold on. Yeah. So Jesus is saying, like, did you really think that when I came, it wasn't going to cause conflict? Did you really think when the Son of Man, the Son of God, came, it was just gonna be like a seamless thing? And he was just not going to, it was like going to be, you know, he was just going to affirm everyone's behavior and affirm everyone's spiritual condition. And it wasn't going to cause uh, a reaction. Did you think I just came to bring peace? No, uh-uh, no. When the Son of Man comes, he's bringing judgment. He's telling people, he's, this, he's, he's, um, he's declaring truth. And he's declaring what's real and what's not, what's, what's temporal and what's eternal. And some people are going to like that. Some people aren't going to like that. Did you really think that everybody was going to buy in when Jesus came? That's what he's saying. Did you really think when the Son of Man came, everybody was going to be like on board? That it wasn't going to divide people against people? No. No. It ain't didn't, it didn't here to bring peace. It's going to bring, it's going to bring division in some cases. That's what he's saying, right? No, I tell you, uh, do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. Darkness from light, truth from error. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three, three against two, and two against three. They will be divided, father against son, the son against the father, father against the daughter, daughter against the mother. Somebody says, man, that sounds like Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> uh, yeah. Somebody like, that sounds like Thanksgiving. Father against son, son against father, mother, daughter. <laughs> uh 
mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. I was like, yeah, mm -hmm, that's not like Christmas. But yeah. Yeah. Pastor Tim, that's right. It's a statement of the result. Not that Jesus intended to bring division, but that's what was going to happen. Verse 54. He said to the crowd, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, it's going to rain. And it does. And when the south wind blows, you say it's going to be it's it's going to be hot, and it is. So, like you can read the weather patterns, you see certain indications in the sky about what's coming. And he says, "Hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it you don't know how to interpret this present time? Hmm. I'm here, the Son of God. Can't, like you can see, you can predict and see all these things. What's coming?" And here I am right in your midst, and you see what's happening. And you can't, you can't see what God is up to. Why don't you judge for yourselves what is right? Are you going with, the, are you going with your adversary to, to the magistrate? Try hard to be reconciled on the way, or your adversary may drag you off to the judge, and the judge turn you over to the officer, and the officer throw you into prison. I tell you, you will not get out until you've paid the last penny. Hmm. It's an interesting passage, right? Why don't you judge for yourselves what is right? As you are going with your adversary to the magistrate, try hard to be reconciled. So talking about if you've you know, got division, work on it. Try to, try to reconcile. Or, it gets, or it's going to get worse, right? <laughs> You try to reconcile on the way, or your adversary will may drag you off to the judge, and the judge may turn you over to the officer. Like you're not like you're. There's an opportunity here. And if you go back to Jesus's larger context, it's like there's an opportunity here for you to get this right, but you're delaying. You're not. You're not making the most of this opportunity to reconcile, and ultimately to reconcile with God. You've got your. Uh, you've got the Son of God right here in your midst, and you're you're wasting time. And if you don't settle this soon, it's going to end badly. <laughs> if you don't settle this in your heart, who Jesus is, it's going to end badly for you. So that's what he's saying. That's a pretty strong chapter right there. That's why it starts off with warnings and encouragements. There's some encouragements. There's also some warnings. It's awesome. All right, you guys, uh, let's pray. Lord, thank you for the, uh, the uh, truthfulness of your word, the honesty of your word. God, we thank you that you care for us, that you illustrated in this passage, Lord, that you, you know us. Uh, we are of more value than the sparrows or the flowers of the field, and you take care of them. You're going to take care of us. And so, God, we realize that worrying it doesn't add one hour to our lives. And so we turn all of our worries and our fears over to you because we know that they are. Uh, you will take care of it. You are, you are on it. God, I pray your blessing upon uh, each and every person at the sound of my voice. May you encourage them and strengthen them. May you bless each one with grace and peace. Lord, may we all be ready, ready, and at our spot, at our post, when you return. Help us to be watchful and ready for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, my friends. Love you guys. Thank you for taking time to pray and Read this interesting chapter in Luke chapter 12. Over the weekend, 
uh read oh i'm sorry tomorrow we're luke chapter 13 now we got one more day don't we luke chapter 13 tomorrow we'll be back at it um tomorrow with luke 13 you guys have a fantastic day really appreciate you guys thanks for commenting subscribing liking sharing this really appreciate all of that you guys are the best we'll see you tomorrow love you guys Thank you for joining me on today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If this episode has been an encouragement to you, take a minute to subscribe or comment or share it with your friends. You can find me, Pastor Terry, and Bayside Church on all social media platforms. You can find Bayside at Bayside Church SH. Until next time, remember, God's word is true. Everything else is merely commentary. God bless you. We'll see you next time.